0: Please take uh, your Bible and turn it to Acts chapter 15, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, and then go through verse 21. Would you please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God? While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem. And they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. And they told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers, who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees, stood up and insisted, The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you all some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. Why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we or our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that all are saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of God. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. When they finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted as it is written. And restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles and all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken. He who made these things known so long ago, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, and from eating of meat strangled from animals, and from from consuming blood. For in these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city, on every Sabbath, for many years generations. Tyler, would you go back and get me a couple of batteries from the back? Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you so much, uh, Lord, for your goodness and kindness and, uh, and mercy in our lives. Father, you have called us into a relationship with yourself through your Son Jesus Christ, and Father, you strengthen us and direct us each day through your Spirit. We thank you and praise you, and we pray that you would draw us closer to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks. Oh, okay. So, There's things that you know you should do sometimes in life, like check your batteries before you preach. (laughs) Go get a shot when you have the crud instead of tough it out. I'm not always good at doing those things that I should do. All right, let's try. Have you ever noticed that sometimes two words, which are both good words, by themselves, if you put them together, they become a bad thing. For example, take the words teacher and pet. Now, depending on who you are and and your personality and your viewpoint, usually a pet's a good thing, and some of you will think that a teacher's a good thing. Hopefully, you'll uh, gain respect, but when we put those two words together and we think of a teacher's pet, most of us don't have a very positive association uh, with teacher's pets. You know, they're those ones that everything they do, the teacher just can't help but lay on the praise. Oh, you sneeze so beautifully. You know, I mean, whatever they do, it's just, it's the best. A- and you do the same thing. It's like, shut up, kid. You know, but, but they just, they always get that attention. And it's bad enough, it's hard enough to sit there and listen to that uh, over and over while the teacher's in there. But it gets even worse When the teacher goes out of the room, I don't know if teachers are allowed or can still do this, but I know when I was coming up, the teacher would have to slip out of the room, and she'd say, oh, Susie, come up here to the board, and I want you to take names. I want you to sit up here, and so all of a sudden, you know, there's this, like, It's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Susie becomes evil. That moment the teacher walks out the door, it's a maniacal laugh, you know, because she knows she's got that complete power. And depending on your relationship to Susie, you know, you're either really happy or you're really sad, because if you're friends, you're like, oh, I can get away with anything, this is all good. But if you have let your disdain, if you have let her know that you despise her being a teacher's pet, it doesn't matter how still you are, what you do, everybody else can be jumping from desk to desk, your name is going on that board. And, and I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, you guys understand, you've, you've been there in that time when you feel like you can't win, no matter what you do, because the person who is the rule maker at the moment is always going to find a way to judge you, to get you. So we have a situation in the church that is talked about right here in Acts. And it is a situation that has, has been following every single church and in every place we always have to fight against, we always have to watch out for, this situation, and the situation is of legalism entering into the church. The idea of a teacher's pet, of someone up there, you know there's a difference between being good and being goody goody. A goody goody means you have the appearance of being good, that everybody thinks you're all proper and nice and whatever, but you know yourself. You don't have to be, there's not always the same thing. And so I want us to talk about legalists, or you can call them, I'm just going to say they're the spiritual party poopers of life. They're the ones that take away the fun. They're the fun suckers of Christianity. What do these people do? What are these legalists, that is those who are always so into the rules, everything they're all about, they make Christianity into Instead of a relationship with Jesus that's beautiful and joyful, they make it into this list of do's and don'ts that's miserable. What do these people do? Because if we understand who legalists are, what they're about, then we can know to avoid and not be um, dragged into what they're doing. Number one, these folks crash the party. They're cr- party crashers. They were not invited. They were not on your list. Nobody ever stands up and says, hey, you know what? We need some more rule people around here. We, we need some more people to suck the fun out of our life. Would you please come in? No, these people have a way of worming their way in to churches and to Christian organizations. In verse 1 of chapter 15, it says, when Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, and by the way, great things were happening. The passages before has has told us what a beautiful church is. This Jews and Gentiles living together, worshiping God. They were sending out missionaries. Awesome things were happening. And guess what? That gets Satan's attention. And Satan's like, you know what? These people, uh, I've persecuted them, and that just made them love Jesus more. And and I've tried to get them to fight against one another, the different groups of people, but they just keep loving Jesus more. You know what? I'm going to try to destroy them from within. I'm going to try to get a group of people in there that will show up and will make everything contentious, everything mean and ugly and arguing. And the Bible says, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach this false teaching. They weren't invited they just showed up. And that's how legalists are. You, you don't invite them and say, would you please come judge me? I just feel too good about myself. No, that they just show up in your life, and they start judging you, and they start making you feel bad for all the things because they've got this gift. It's, if it's a spiritual gift, it's an unholy spiritual gift. They've got this gift of pinpointing the problems you have in your life and what you're not doing right and how you should be better, and they are wonderful about just twisting it in and making you feel awful. These people crash the party. Secondly, they kill the joy. The Bible describes in verses 3 and 4 this amazing joy as not only the the church in Antioch was having, but when they came back, they were up here in Antioch along the coast of the Mediterranean, and Jerusalem was down here, and the Bible says they stopped along the way in Phoenicia, and they stopped along the way. Uh, they, They made a couple of stops, and everywhere they went, people were excited about what God was doing. There was a great joy, but these people, instead of joining in the joy, as soon as everybody was getting excited and wanting to be on board, these are the people that stand up and say, wait wait, wait a minute now. These converts, they must be circumcised. They must be followed to require the law, uh, required to follow the law of Moses. These are the kind of people that when you're around them, they just make you feel bad. And you think, why do I feel bad? Aren't they they such good people? I mean, they follow all the rules. They're very religious, and they, they do all the right stuff. But there is this spirit of judgmentalism about them, and they don't even realize it because sometimes they think, these people think they're doing what's right, and someone else has judged them, and they just pass it along. They kill the joy of Christianity. Third, they twist the gospel. They twist it. You know, there's a whole book of the Bible about this. Uh, Paul wrote all about it in the book of Galatians. Why would would he write this whole book? And why would God have this whole thing in there about this stuff? Is it that important? Absolutely. This isn't some on-the-edge little little trivial problem. Because there is one gospel there is one true way to heaven, to the to Jesus. It's going to God through Jesus Christ and receiving his grace and what he's done on Calvary. And you see the second that we start to say Jesus plus instead of just Jesus, the only way. If we say Jesus plus you get baptized. Jesus plus you follow the rules of Moses. Jesus plus you do this and that and the other. We have changed the gospel. We've twisted it. We distorted it. Are there things that God calls us to do? Absolutely. This baptism today was a command of God, but we understand that that baptism, that is not something that affected the salvation. Children who are below the age of accountability, who do not yet have moral choices to make, we believe if something happens to them that they go to be with the Lord. And then when we're old enough and we have that decision to make on our own, we have faith in Jesus Christ. It's truly sad about those people who make their salvation about faith plus something else. I've known people who literally live in fear because they think, well, I believe... But you know what? What if I'm driving down the, car, down the road in my car and someone pulls in front of me and I cuss them out and then I lose control of the car and I flip and die? A- am I going to go to heaven? Because I said something bad. I did something wrong. You see, in their minds, it's salvation is not faith in Jesus alone. It's faith in Jesus plus I keep up not swearing or plus I keep doing this thing or that thing. You know what? It's just faith in Jesus. The good works that we do are out of our love for Jesus. They're not us scrambling and working to be good enough. See, that's what separates Christianity from every other religion in this world. All the other religions are spelled D-O, do. It's all about what you must do to earn salvation or heaven or nirvana or whatever this other religion says is the goal that you're working toward. But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's all about what Christ has done for you on the cross, and you can't add one little bit of it to save yourself. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Jesus did it all. And these legalists, these fun suckers, these rule keepers, They want to twist the gospel to Jesus plus you wear a dress that's the right length. You cut your hair a certain way. You don't go to certain places. You don't talk to these people. You don't do this activity. And if you do all the rules that we made up for you, then maybe, just maybe, you'll make it in. And they totally destroy the gift, the free gift, the joyous gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. These legalists crash the party, they kill the joy, they twist the gospel, and finally they spread the misery. You ever heard, misery loves company? It's true. <laughs> miserable people love to make other people miserable. The bottom line, miserable people spread. Spread. They are contagious. They're misery. They want to send it out and to allow it to grow. It's like a cancer. This unholy, this unnatural, this distorted thing, This what should be a picture of joy instead has become lifeless ritual and religion. It has become guilt and shame-based rather than the joy of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. They love to spread that as far and as wide as they can. Because they're miserable and that's all they know how to do. Listen to what the apostles said in verse 10. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? You know what Peter was saying? You people are such hypocrites. You're trying to put these new Gentile believers under a burden. You're trying to, instead of lift it off of them, instead of trying to be a joy, you're trying to add on to them. And the fact is, you're adding on a weight, a burden, a heaviness to their life that you and I couldn't do ourselves. And we've been trained to be good Jews all of our lives. We could never keep the gospel. I mean, the, the, the laws of Moses, we could never do all of those rules. We of all people should know that a life based on keeping every single tiny rule, making that the focus of our life, that's useless, that's worthless. That is a burden that nobody can carry. But instead of saying, oh, that's a horrible burden, I would never want anybody to be under that. I understand what that was like. These people say, I'm under a horrible burden, and I want you to be under a horrible burden also. Here, take some more of the weight, of the burden, of the heaviness, of the miserableness. Have a little more. That's what they do. I'm going to tell you, none of these people, if you, if you ask them, are you a bad person? Are you trying to twist the gospel? Are you trying to di- dis- distort and destroy what true Christianity is? They'd say, no, we are true Christianity. We're the rule keepers. Uh, we're, we're the ones, that, you guys don't know what real Christianity is all about. You see, they are so caught up in their pride and their arrogance And like I said, many of them, they're doing just what they were taught. Someone else spread misery onto them. And all they knew how to do is spread it onto others. But God has not called us to live that way. He's called us to live in a relationship with Him. A relationship of peace and hope and love and joy. There was a group of researchers that uh, did, a, did a, um, an experiment on some rats. <laughs> Poor rats. They, they get all the experiments done on them, right? Uh, these, they were the guinea pigs. They were literally rats. And they wanted to do an, uh, a test on the effect of exercise, how much it would help these rats. Because the idea is uh, a, a moderate amount of exercise is good for everybody, Right? As long as you have a little bit of exercise, that's great. That's helpful, right? Well, they said, well, does it make a choice, does it make a a difference if you choose the exercise or if it's chosen for you? And so this one little privileged group of rats over here. They got their little rat condo, and it had a nice little place to rest. And, and then there was the recreational area where there's a wheel, and, and when they got bored, they could walk over, and they could eat, or they could go exercise a little bit. And, and, and they tested them, and they compared them to this other group of rats, though, that they were kind of in the uh, rat prison and they were thrown onto the chain gang, so to speak. I mean, they were thrown onto the wheel, and they had to run, and they were forced to run. This, but it was just the same amount as these rats over here chose to run on themselves. These rats were forced to run. Well, they got the same amount of exercise. It should have helped them both the same amount, right? Except for the study said that in these rats that chose to get on that wheel that their antibodies and their immune system and all the good stuff, it went in the right direction. But these over here that were forced, the exercise didn't help them. In fact, it made them worse. It made them sickly. It made all the positive signs in their bodies go south. Same exercise, different motivation. You and I can look at two different Christian people. They're both going to church. They're both giving money when the plate comes around. They both try to keep the rules and do the right thing. But on one hand, is someone who's not really thinking about so much rules, it's just how much they love Jesus and how much they love people. And they do these things not because someone has their thumb on them and says, you ought to, or else you're a sorry sucker, no good individual. No, they just love Jesus and they want to do these things. And this other person over here, they're doing the same thing, but they're upset and they're angry and they're frustrated and they're saying, I'm supposed to be happy, I'm supposed to be joyful, God's supposed to be, and I'm doing this and this and this and this, and they can check off all their lists and they're, I'm doing the same thing they are. Why are they full of joy and why am I full of bitterness and anger? Because it's all about the heart. Do we choose to serve Jesus out of love? Or do we get wrapped up in this wheelhouse of religion that we can't escape? God has called us to a life of joy, a relationship with him. Don't get sucked in by legalism. Avoid it. Base your life, teach your children, your friends, your family about a life of joy in Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you've called us not to a dry religious experience, not just a a formality or an activity or a rule, but God, you've called us to a relationship. And Father, even when you place rules or guidelines in our life, they're, they're not to take our joy. It's when like when we tell our children not to go in the street. It's not because we want to limit them. It's because we love them and we want to save them from the consequences of ignorant behavior. God, you want to save us from our own rebellion and from our own ignorance. God, you call us to pathways of life, to walk in a way, of joy and peace and love. Father, I pray that if there's somebody here today and their life has been wrapped up in shame and guilt, Father, that they'd realize today that that is not what you've called them to. Father, you have something that is so different You have a life of joy and peace and hope waiting for them. Father, may they turn away from the pride and arrogant and hypocritical thought that they can be good enough on their own. God, may they simply surrender to Jesus. God, help us to all do that. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.